0: So, if you've got Titus uh, your Bible there, Titus chapter three. Now, one of the the most important things about the the Reformation was a justification by faith alone. that's a a phrase that you might have come across before. justification by by faith alone. That was the uh, Martin Luther called that the cornerstone of the Reformation, and you may remember a few years ago. Um, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, the start of the Reformation, you know, when he nailed up the uh, the 95 Theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg. But why was that so important? It's really, um, you know, justification by faith alone is just saying it is by grace alone that we are saved. But why is that so important? You know, why do we have to, to cling to that? And why was it worth... Uh, starting the Reformation over now why was it worth eventually having to split off from the Church of Rome over this issue? Now was it worth it? Why is it so important? and that's what we're going to be uh, be looking at in this passage because I think Titus chapter three is actually some of the clearest teaching about grace in the New Testament and um, I'm going to take this slightly differently to the way that I uh, normally do sermons. Uh, normally, um, uh, I just go through it, you know, um, verse by verse. But in this, uh, on this occasion, I think what I want to do is just contrast two things: to contrast religion, uh, to contrast that with grace. So we're going to look at what the passage says about the contrast between religion and grace, uh, and this is um, uh, sort of we're going to pick pick apart uh, the passage in that way. So, uh, so Paul he says talks about at uh, one time in this is verse 3 we were foolish disobedient deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures so this is what he says about about religion we were enslaved now you might be thinking hold on a minute that sounds a little bit a little bit extreme does not it enslaved really is is religion enslaving in in, in that way well what a uh, I thought we could look at uh, something which has come up particularly since the start of the lockdown this kind of social phenomenon uh, known as um, the woke or, or wokeness I don't know if you have come across that it's been mentioned in newspapers I think it it used to be a bit more sort of um, only a social media kind of thing but it's become a bit more mainstream now it doesn't really matter it's basically just political correctness on steroids it's you know basically the you know having to have the the right set of opinions on a number of um, contentious issues, for example, on on transgender. And this is the first thing about about religion, you know, which is that it is obsessed with rules. It is absolutely obsessed with rules, and if you break the rules, you are cast out. Now, if you transgress, if you break the rules, you are absolutely out on your ear. And you. Now, another thing that you might have heard of recently is cancel culture. Um, I don't know if you've again come across that, but um, J.K. Rowling was a victim of it fairly recently. She wrote an article uh, where she was um, defending the, um, you know, the rights of women to be called women against sort of the transgender uh, activists. And she was absolutely hounded and she you know, was caught some really horrible things and, and so on. That, that's cancel culture in action. Uh, even someone as famous as J.K. Rowling, you know, the writer of the, the Harry Potter books. And there, the thing is with the, the woke um, nature as well, that there is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness. Um, I don't know if you've read a book called The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray, but um, I, uh, he's not a Christian writer, but I think he's very insightful. And I found that a really helpful book. But one of the things I think I found most helpful about that book was saying how in today's kind of culture there is very little forgiveness. You know, that if someone said something wrong 10 years ago, then, you know, it will be dragged up and it will be held against them. um, Even if they've expressed uh, remorse for it, even if they've repented or, you know, however you might want to put it. There's very little forgiveness. Now, all of this is talking about religion and i think it fits really well with the way that paul describes religion here it says we lived in malice and envy being hated and hating one another and i think that's just a perfect description of the kind of the new woke um, religion as well as just you know religion in general really which is that it is about uh it is just about holding people to to a standard and then not forgiving them um, for uh for, for breaking those the standards that you've set and then he goes on in verse 9 avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless and this is another characteristic of of religion that it spends uh, more time arguing um, uh, uh, than actually doing good now that people uh, religious People spend more time arguing about the the finer points of religion than they do actually do, you know, doing any good, and it really made me think actually of the you know the um, the Black Lives Matter movement, the protest that we saw um, a couple of months ago, and you know they tore down the statue in Bristol, and I was thinking you know it's, it's one thing to tear down a statue, but it's another thing to actually unite people around and to put something positive in its place, and what we're seeing in our society at the moment is a lot of tearing things down, but not very much actually putting something positive uh, in its place. And it's, you know, very easy to bicker and quarrel, but not so easy to actually do good and to unite people around something something good. So that's the second characteristic of of religion. Now I've chosen to to talk about woke Uh, Ness in this but really this kind of thing it happens everywhere in society and it happens in church as well and This is this is just the characteristics of religion. I think rather than uh, Rather than any particular grouping and I don't want to pick on any any particular grouping It's just I think this is the woke is a good example but we need to take it seriously whether it happens in society Or whether it happens into in the church in fact particularly as paul says when it happens in the church it says in verse 10 warn a divisive person after that have nothing to do with them you know we need to take this seriously we need to take this kind of um the way that religion infects the church particularly seriously because if we don't then it will actually lead us down down the wrong path lead us away from god so that's religion now, um, some of you might be thinking, "But Phil, you know, surely Christianity is is a religion, and um, this is where uh, Paul, I think, is so clear in Titus chapter three, that actually, it's uh, Christianity is all about grace. That's the fundamental thing. That's what makes the difference, and that's why we really need to hear the message of grace. So Paul." He, he says, what does grace do? Let's, let's look at the characteristics of grace. It um, talks in verses 1 and 2 about people being a subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient, ready to do what is good, to slander no one, um, and uh, to be peaceable, considerate, always to be gentle towards everyone. All of these things, I was reading one, um, uh, one commentary about this, which was saying that these things, the submission, the gentleness, kindness with words, These are under underrated aspects of of grace. These are signs which we don't often talk very much about but I was really struck how this is the opposite of the religion that Paul is is criticizing. It's the very opposite isn't it? You know it's not kind of it's being gentle with people being kind rather than being hard and unforgiving uh, with them. Now how do we do we get like that and that's the the million dollar question and the answer is grace and that the engine room if you like of this change is in verses four to seven in verses four to seven let's just quickly run through this and paul says uh, when the kindness and love of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of righteous things we had done So that's the first fundamental thing about grace that grace saves us not because we deserve it not because of all the righteous things that we've done you know we can't go up to god and say oh here you are god you know here's a here's my checkbook i'll pay you a check out of all of the good things that i've done and i deserve to be saved because of all of these good things and i'm such a good person therefore you should save me you know that's not how it works god saves us not because of the righteous things that we 've done, now, unlike religion, you know we're thinking about the woke and how they 're obsessed with rules, and the reason that they're, they're obsessed with rules is because they think they all keep them, you know, they think they're good people, they think that they they've got you know a, that checkbook with all of the good things that they 've done, and they can give that and say hey, here we go i 'm a good person, but no, grace says no we 're not saved because of the good things we've done, but because of God's mercy it says because of his mercy is the reason that we are saved it's only God's mercy and love that saves us not Ah. I apologize if you saw a break there it said that it disconnected and then it told me that it reconnected so there we go I hope that you're still on um, it looks like I'm still connected right anyway where were we Uh, it's only god's mercy and love we are we are unworthy servants that's the thing that we are um you know we we don't deserve god's forgiveness we don't deserve anything from him apart from his judgment no we are unworthy servants to receive uh, even his his blessings and it's through uh, through the washing of, uh, of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is in verse 5. Through the Holy Spirit, it's through, not through our own efforts even, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not that we try really hard and work ourselves up to earning and to doing those good things, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working in us. And it says, so that having been justified by His grace, So we've been made right with god only by his grace not because of our good deeds Uh, then we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life so it's it's our, our status changes by god's grace our status changes by god's grace so we 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 go from being um you know poor miserable sinners to being children of god not because of our our earning not because we've made ourselves righteous but only because of god's mercy and his grace that's the thing with grace it's it's so important to grasp and um it's like our status changes you know i sometimes talk about marriage and if you've heard me um, preach about this before you know i think marriage is quite a good example and it's an example that the bible sometimes uses which is you know when you when you get married on the day that you're married you become a husband or a wife when you say i will you become a husband or a wife but that uh, you have to learn to to you know, inhabit being a husband or a wife you know you don't instantly suddenly change into being you know learning all about how to how to be a husband how to be a wife or, or whatever that that takes time to learn doesn't it and it's a bit like that with coming to coming to Christ you know for salvation that on the day that we believe we come and receive God's grace our status changes but it still takes time for, for that change to work its way through in our lives it's not that the change needs to happen first and then we're worthy to receive God's grace but we receive the grace of God first and then that changes us that that change works out in our lives, and it's really, uh, really important to get that, you know, um, to get that that in the right order. Uh, because if if you start saying we uh, we behave rightly first before receiving God's grace, we end up with religion. Grace is different. Grace puts grace first, and our obedience comes afterwards. Our obedience is in you know, flows out of receiving God's grace. That's why grace is so important, because it is the key thing which makes Christianity different to any other religion, whether a a kind of a, a secular religion like the the woke religion I was talking about, or like you know other kinds of of religion. Um, so let's draw a few conclusions as we as we come to the end here. Uh, what the the word which we sometimes call Um, this kind of um, religion is works righteousness that is you know thinking that we are righteous because of our own good works and um, sometimes it's also called pharisaism because that's what the pharisees were you know they thought that they were right with god not because of um, you know god's grace but because of their good what they thought of as their good deeds and jesus was very critical of the pharisees and the problem with work's righteousness is that it leads to pride now, if we think that we're right with God because of how how good our our deeds are, then we'll think, oh, well, isn't that good i've managed to earn I've managed to earn it Aren't I a good person? That's you know good old me, and it leads to pride, and it leads to division and hatred because we look at other people and we say, "Ah." Oh, they, have, they need to pull their socks up a bit. They should try a bit harder, shouldn't they? Because, you know, they, well, they are not trying as hard as me. And I've managed to do it. You know, I'm a good person because of my own good efforts. Why can't that? You know, the only reason they're not a good person is they haven't put the effort in. And so, you know, religion, works righteousness, leads to pride, and it leads to division and hatred. Grace, on the other hand, leads to humility. Grace leads to humility we are humble before God knowing that we haven't done anything to earn his mercy knowing that we're saved only because of his mercy it, it gives us humility and it leads to to peace and to kindness and to harmony because we know that at the end of the day when we look at other people however wrong they may be we can say you know there but by the grace of God go I and we know that Uh, at the end of the day you know we are unworthy as well and that's the difference between us and you know it's still we still need to call out things as wrong we still need to stand up for the truth all of those things but we're doing it from a different position you know we want to restore people we want them to repent rather than cast them out into outer uh, into outer darkness and so that's the difference between uh, religion and grace so just some questions to finish with. Do we know God's grace ourselves? Have you understood God's grace to you as a sinner, as someone who does not deserve God's mercy, but as someone who uh, who has received the mercy and the kindness and the grace, the forgiveness of God, even though you don't deserve it? Do you know the uh, the depth of your own sin and the the forgiving depths of God, of His grace. If you don't know that or even if you do know that, I would say let's, let's continue to, to pray that God would reveal that to us that we might grow in the knowledge of His grace and I think this is the big thing in the Christian life is really grasping grace, really understanding how sinful we are and how, how gracious God is that's in the heart of the christian life and that's why it's so important so let's pray and ask god to help us whether we're grasping that for the first time or for the 100th time we can always understand more of god's grace other thing just to finally let's just pray for the church to hold on to grace because i think you know it's not something which is a given and sadly we've seen many times in history as at the time of the Reformation, when the church, the Roman Catholic Church at this time, did not hold on to the grace of God. And sadly, I think there are churches today who do not hold on to God's grace. So let's pray for for ourselves as a church and for the church uh, across our land and across the world to hold on uh, to God's grace. And let's pray for society to grasp the grace of God. I think we're living in a very religious Uh, society at the moment in that respect uh, like i said where there is not very much forgiveness and there's not very much grace so let's pray for society to really grasp uh, the grace of god let's close by by praying for those things and asking god uh, to help us we pray heavenly father that you would help us to grasp more of the depths of your love and your grace we pray that you would help us to know the riches of your love expressed in Jesus Christ, and for that to really change us. However much we understand of it now, we just ask for more, that you would help us to grasp more of your kindness and grace. We pray, Lord, that you would keep your church, uh, our church here in Great Clacton, our church across our country, and across our, our world, Lord, that your church would hold on to grace. And we pray that our society would be able, many people would grasp that message of grace, and that would really uh, change the face of our our world, Lord, our society. That people may be uh, kind and gentle and peaceable towards one another because of your grace. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.